It's one of the best-known verses in the Bible, one that brings hope to the hopeless and strength to the weary. Today on Turning Point, you'll understand why Dr. David Jeremiah considers Romans 8.28 to be the greatest promise in all of Scripture. For a breakdown of this life-changing verse, precept by precept, keep listening as David introduces his inspiring message, The Greatest Promise in the Bible. Amen. Amen. Hey, friends, before we get into our Bible study, let me ask you a question. What are your plans for the new year? Well, let me tell you my favorite way to celebrate the new year is aboard a beautiful cruise ship, fellowshipping with other believers. And I'd like to invite you to join Don and myself, members of our family, Turning Point, uh, as we end 2021 and begin 2022 aboard a beautiful Holland American cruise ship. We'll enjoy the hospitality of Holland America aboard the New Amsterdam. We'll visit world-famous places like Half Moon Cay in the Bahamas and Amber Cove in the Dominican Republic. But the real joy, I mean, the real joy of the journey isn't the world-famous locations. It's not even the great food. Our real joy is coming together to study God's Word, seek His will for our lives, meditate upon the future, give thanks for what He's done for us in the year past, and uh, to enhance our gatherings. I've invited Michael Sanchez and Uriel Vega to join us. They'll be leading us in worship in this beautiful ship, and I just can't tell you how much you sense when you do this at the end of the year. What a great way to end one year and begin another. You can kind of rest up from the fatigue of all that is required of most of us during the holiday season and get yourself prepared mentally, physically, and spiritually for the new year. So we don't have many days left to tell you about this. We're going to have a good group, but you can come. There's still room. Go to our website, get all the information, plan to join us once again, December 30th through January the 8th. Well, today we begin part one of the greatest promise in the Bible. I am so glad you decided to listen today. Let's begin. It was January 18th, 2010. Amateur bowler Bill Fong was just three rolls away from perfection. Three consecutive perfect games. A 900. In the history of bowling, there have only been 21 perfect series. After rolling 33 consecutive strikes, Bill gathered his ball, walked up, and rolled another strike. And then he rolled another on frame 35, and the crowd went wild. But something was wrong. Two frames back, Bill had begun sweating profusely and feeling dizzy. But he was just one roll away from history. Bill pulled the ball to his chest, took his usual five steps, and released the ball perfectly. People actually started clapping before the ball reached the pins. That's how perfect the roll was. It curved exactly where it was supposed to, made exact contact with the pins at precisely the right spot. Pins flew, the crowd cheered, and the number 10 pin wobbled, but settled back onto its base. 899. One pin short of perfection. Heartbroken. Bill headed home. The dizziness that began on frame 34 had not improved. Bill staggered into his bathroom and threw up. The walls continued to spin, and then Bill fell asleep. And when he awoke the next morning, he realized that he had suffered a stroke. 
Later in 2010, he had open-heart surgery at just the age of 46. He survived despite a 70% chance that he wouldn't. The doctors told him that the only thing that saved his life on the night of 899 was that the 10 pin stayed up. Had that last pin fallen, Bill's doctor said his body, already in the midst of a stroke, would have pushed his blood pressure even higher. That most likely would have killed him immediately. What he thought was the worst thing that could ever happen, the most awful thing after rolling 899 pins right, the last one didn't fall right. He thought it was the worst thing that could ever happen, but the worst thing that could ever happen was what saved his life. Sometimes the things we think are bad are only bad to us. God has a different perspective. I mean, all of us know that bad things happen to people. Some bad things are the result of national or international crises like pandemics. Some bad things are the result of bad decisions and bad conduct. Bad things happen. We know that. But if you'll listen today, you will discover that because of Romans 8.28, Christians have a unique way of processing life when bad things happen to them. One student of Romans 8.28 put it this way, The truth of Romans 8.28 can change the way you think. It can provide a corresponding shift in your moods, emotions, and outlook. In time, it can actually transform your personality, alter your circumstances in life. It can turn troubled souls into people of confidence and good cheer. It's the secret of resilience and irrepressible joy. And this promise has your name on it. It meets the challenges you're facing right now. It's God's guarantee. This is Romans 8:28, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The interesting thing about life for me as I look back on it is most of the important things in life are pretty simple, aren't they? We make them complicated. We make them profound, but they're simple. And that's true with this verse. This verse is one of the simplest verses in the Bible. I mean, it's made up of one-syllable words. There are 25 words in Romans 8:28. Only three of them are more than one syllable. These one-syllable words are put together in such a way and compressed in such a way that they're the greatest truths to be found anywhere within the Scripture. So here are five great truths from this verse. Five things I want you to remember from Romans 8:28. First of all, this is a definite promise. This isn't a suggestion or a possibility. It's a definite promise. Listen to what it says. And we know. How incredibly important it is to know. I mean, we live in an age where people say you can't know anything for sure and where truth and knowledge seem to have taken a back seat to errors and opinions, and sometimes you wonder if truth even exists in the minds of some folks. But I'm here to tell you that what you know is important. That is why we're committed to teaching the Word of God. We want to know what we know. And here we are told something that we can know. And we know, says Paul. The word know is used 1,098 times in the Bible. And the little phrase we know is used five times in the book of Romans. And Paul says that we can know beyond all doubt that every aspect of our lives is in God's hands and will be divinely used by the Lord, 
not only to manifest his glory, but also to work out our own ultimate blessing. We know that. It's definite. We don't have to guess about it. We don't have to get a counselor to tell us it's in the Bible, and we know. Now, this verse would still be great if those words were missing. If the verse started, all things work together for good, and we didn't have the first phrase, and we know it would still be a great verse. But all things work together isn't where it starts. It starts with, and we know. Donald Gray Barnhouse makes this point about that phrase. He says, it would be wonderful if all things worked together for our good without our knowing it. (laughs) And we would find out about it later. That'd be wonderful. But it is possible here and now to know that all things work together for our good. And to lay hold of that fact is to claim a new power in your life that will calm the turbulence and bring to quiet and confidence the whole of your life. Nothing can touch me unless it passes through the will of God. God has a plan for my life. God is working according to a fixed eternal purpose. And we know that all things work together. We know. The American folk writer Robert Fulgham wrote a book with a strange title. The title is All I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. He confessed that by the time he was 50, He had distilled his core belief into one word, and that word was maybe. How sad is that? How blessed we are as Christ followers that we don't live our lives on maybes. We know what we know, and it makes all the difference in the world as to how we live each day. You know, earlier in this same context in the book of Romans that we've been studying, Paul has spoken of the ability of the believer to know. For instance, back in verse 22, he said, For we know that the whole creation groans. We know that. And then we come to verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good. So here in this context, there are two things that we know, but there are still some things that we do not know. So look at verse 26. Remember this? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray. Now put those things together. They're not accidentally adjacent to one another. One verse about knowing and the others about not knowing. It's not incidental. Here is the difficult road we follow as believers. While we can know that God is ultimately in control of our lives, verse 28, we cannot know how all the details are being fitted together, so sometimes we don't even know how to pray. We know that God is in control, that he's going to make all things right, but in between knowing that and living it, we don't know sometimes how it works out every day. Isn't that true? We know what we know, but we also don't know what we don't know. (laughs) One of the paradoxical things about being a Christian is this, and I wrote this little principle down. Here it is. We are often the most certain about the ultimate when we are the most uncertain about the immediate. (laughs) When we don't know how it's working out, as Christians, we rest on the fact that we know how it's going to turn out. We may not know how it's working out, We do know how it turns out. This is a definite promise. And we know. Say that with me. And we know. It's also a divine promise. Here Paul says that we know that God works. God is working. We know that God works and he's at work in our lives. You see, Romans 8.28 doesn't work if God isn't working. God is ceaselessly, energetically, purposefully 
working on our behalf. It is God who is bringing this good about on behalf of those who love him. Here's what Isaiah says. I love this verse. He said, Since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. God is working for us. This week I read about a pastor who returned to his pulpit 10 days after losing his son. He began his message by reading this verse, and we know that all things God works for good for those who love him. He was visibly struggling, and he said, I cannot make my son's death fit into this passage. It's impossible for me to see how anything good can come out of it. Yet I realize that I only see in part. I only know in part. He said, it's like the miracle of the shipyard. Almost every part of our greatest vessels are made of steel. If you take any single part, be it a steel plate out of the hull or a huge rudder, and throw it into the ocean, it will sink to the bottom. Steel doesn't float. But when the shipbuilders are finished, when the last plate has been riveted into place, then that massive steel ship is virtually unsinkable. Taken by itself, my son's death is senseless. Throw it into the sea of Romans 8.28 and it sinks. Still, I believe that when the eternal shipbuilder has finally finished, when God has worked out his perfect design, even this senseless tragedy will somehow work out for God's purpose and my eternal good. This is a definite promise, and we know. This is a divine promise that God works God is working in all of this. And then thirdly, this is a definitive promise. He works all things. The all things of this verse is totally comprehensible. You may think, oh, yeah, this may work for a lot of people, Pastor Jeremiah, but you don't know what I've been going through. My all things are not good. God isn't involved in this. I'm outside of it. Well, you can't be outside of it because here you have this all-encompassing statement. What is involved in this promise? What does this include? It includes all things. (laughs) All means all. Or as one preacher put it, all means all, and that's all that all means. (laughs) Taken in context, the promise allows for no restrictions or no conditions. All things is inclusive in the fullest possible sense. It includes the suffering of verse 17. It includes the groaning of verse 23. In other words, all that is negative in this life is seen to have a positive purpose in the execution of God's eternal plan. Nothing is beyond the overruling, overriding scope of his providence. I want to say that again. This promise that we're investigating is not a partial promise. It's not a conditional promise. It's not a probably. It's an absolute all things. Everything that goes on in your life or mine comes under the umbrella of this passage. Anybody who studies the book of Romans will ultimately have to read the writings of a pastor who preached for many years in Philadelphia. His name was Donald Gray Barnhouse. And he wrote 10 volumes on the book of Romans. They're amazing. He was one of the great illustrators of his day, a great preacher. Here's what he says about this passage. He says, All things within the compass of existence 
within the range of possibility, within the knowledge of God. There are no exceptions to the sweeping breadth of this statement. There is no will or act of creatures, men, angels, or demons, that can do other than work for our good. No dog can bark against us. No man can speak or act against us. No sinister power of evil can be against us, but all must be for our good. There is no phenomenon of nature, fire, flood, storm, earthquake, that can work us ultimate ill. The law of gravity cannot trip us up or cause anything to fall upon us unless it has been first sifted through the will of God for our good. What he is saying is that when you begin to see life like this, when you begin to realize that while there are incidents in your life, things that happen, bad things, good things, we look at them often individually, but God sees them as a part of his ultimate plan. And when we begin to understand that God has an ultimate plan for our lives, it begins to free us up in our own spirit to know God is in control. I may not understand this, but God has a purpose for all that happens in my life. That's what Paul is saying. Let me tell you what he is not saying. I don't want you to be confused by this or go home and wonder, did I miss something? What he's not saying is that sickness, suffering, persecution, grief, or any other such thing is good. He's not saying that. On the contrary, these things are evil. Hatred is not love. Death is not life. Grief is not joy. The world is filled with evil. But what the text says is that God uses these things to affect his own good ends for his people. God brings good out of evil. Paul is not saying that God prevents his children from experiencing things that can harm them. He's rather telling us that the Lord takes all that he allows to happen to his beloved children, even the worst things, and he turns those things ultimately into blessing. No matter what our situation, our suffering, our persecution, our sinful failure, our pain, our lack of faith, in those things as well as in other things, our Heavenly Father will work to produce ultimate victory and blessing in our life. In other words, Paul is not expressing faith in the goodness of all things. Paul is expressing faith in the goodness of God, in the goodness of God's purpose for us. Randy Alcorn says this. He says, do you see the difference between saying each thing by itself is good and all things work together for good? Think about it. The difference is tremendous. This verse does not tell me I should say it is good if my leg gets broken or my house burns down or I'm robbed and beaten or my child dies. But it does say that God will use these events and weave them together with every other facet of my life in order to produce what he knows to be the very best for me. What a tremendous promise that is. It's a definite promise, and we know. It's a divine promise that God works. It's a definitive promise. He works all things. Now, here's the one that I think is the best of all and most important that we understand. It's a dynamic promise. All things together for good. Say that with me. Together for good. Do you ever know the frustration of putting together a puzzle that's above your pay grade? Well, let me tell you about the world's hardest jigsaw puzzle. Designed by the Japanese manufacturer Beverly, priced at just $30, the puzzle isn't difficult because it has so many pieces. 
Its 1,000 pieces pales in comparison to the world's largest monster, a 551,232-piece monster that features a lotus flower and six petals. (laughs) No, the puzzle is difficult because it consists of just one single color of black. It's almost impossible to determine how the pieces fit together. Adding an extra layer of frustration, the company claims its 1,000 micro-sized puzzle pieces are the world's smallest, suitable only for the nimblest of fingers. How difficult is the puzzle? Well, one puzzle expert said it took him 17 months to complete just half of the puzzle. Please don't go buy this puzzle and send it to me. You all know I love to do puzzles. I'm not interested in this one. One man described the puzzle as the devil reincarnated in an inanimate object. Now, why is that so? Why is that different than any other puzzle? Well, there's no pattern. There's no structure. There's no way to even have a clue as to how the pieces might fit together. When you are clueless about the pieces of a puzzle, frustration abounds. The same is true in life. Few things can frustrate us more than when we can't see or understand how the pieces of our lives fit together. Some of you here today are trying to figure out, what is God doing right now in my life? How is what's happening to me? How does that fit into God's plan for my life? And sometimes if the problems are serious and you're trying to sort them out, it can really keep you up at night. But Paul uses an interesting expression to describe how God is working in our behalf. He says that all things work together, and he uses a Greek word. I don't use a lot of Greek words, but this is an important one. The Greek word is soon ergeo, soon ergeo. And the word comes from the word from which we get synergism. Soon ergeo, synergism. Now, let me just remind you, since you probably have forgotten this from your school days, that synergism is the working together of various elements to produce an effect that's greater than and often completely different from the sum of each element if they were acting separately. Now, I know that's a long statement, but let me say it again. Synergism is the working together of various elements to produce an effect that's greater than and often completely different from the sum of each element acting separately. Hmm. Very complicated formula, but in this verse, it is incredible. We'll have more about that on Monday. I know we shouldn't have to break into this verse for a whole weekend, but that's just the way it is. And um, go back and read it again. Many of you have probably memorized it already. You probably have your own stories that are attached to this verse. But we'll come back and finish our discussion of this on Monday. We will conclude the Romans 8 study next week. Um, We're going to finish up um, the month of November with some Thanksgiving uh, messages and get ready for the month of December. Uh, We have some great things ahead of us, and uh, we're just so grateful that you're a part of this family, that you enjoy listening on the radio. Wherever I go, people tell me they they listen, and um, they make it a part of their day. They tell me what time it is that they listen. They, they know for sure what time because it's just built into their schedule. 
can't think of a better thing that you can do than to just spend some time studying God's Word. It's my privilege to kind of be the leader and direct us into the paths of righteousness. So thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, during this month, our resource for the month is the journal for the Book of Romans. If you've been listening, you know this is a unique resource. It is a beautiful hardback journal for the Book of Romans providing a place for you to write every verse in Romans in your own handwriting. And when you get done, you will have your own personal copy of the book of Romans. You say, why should I do that? I have Bibles everywhere in my house. I don't need my own copy. Well, if you go back and read Deuteronomy 17, you'll discover that God instructed the kings who were coming to lead Israel that they write the law in their own handwriting. Then he gives some benefits for doing that, all of which are They're still in play. You will never believe what this will do for you. So be sure and ask for your copy of this beautiful journal when you send your gift to Turning Point today. Have a great weekend, friends. We'll see you Monday. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Romans 8, The Greatest Chapter in the Bible, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected our monthly magazine Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Romans, the written word journal, designed by David to help you know God's word more deeply by writing the book of Romans in your own hand. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in your choice of handsome cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, Romans 8, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we're living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the word, and be in prayer. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. The most dangerous kind of lie is one that just slightly distorts the truth. The reason is that those who do not know the truth well are easily deceived. 
Such a subtle lie is the equivalent of a counterfeit dollar bill. Very close to the real thing, but as worthless as if it were drawn on a paper napkin. The very first lie ever told was when Satan jumbled God's words in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were naive and fell for his trap. Lest we repeat their error, we must know God's truth so well that any deviation is obvious. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's truth in God's Word on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.